You're tuned to KZYX, 90.7 FM Philo, KZYZ, 91.5 FM Willits and Ukiah, and K201HR, Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. This is Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio for Mendocino County and beyond. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm Jim Hyde. And uh, on the coast, we are doing our usual now in uh, point uh, in uh, point-and-click version 2.0. Um, right. With Bob in the beautiful satellite studio in Ukiah and me at home um, on the coast with um, connecting in via Zoom. Yes. Thanks to the technological um, wonders of Zoom, we can actually be in the same room virtually. <laughs> exactly. And see each other. So Bob yeah. can still kind of kick me under the desk if I, you know, if I talk too much. Right. Uh, I can make was... threatening gestures over the over the video cam. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, how are you tonight, Jim? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I want I want it to rain. I want it to rain, but other than that, um, yeah. I'm doing okay. Me too. We've got our usual kind of grab bag of news items tonight we want to talk a little bit about kind of the future of the fcc which Ooh, will yes. be changing in the wake of a new presidential administration and a new fcc chairman um there's we have a tip our tip of the week or the tip of the bi-weekly i you'd, i guess you'd have to say um we want to talk tell you about a cool website that allows you to check the privacy state of um the, the privacy um, not policy, but it lets you peek under the covers or behind the curtain or inside the black box to yeah. see what in the closet <laughs> viewing exactly to see what those websites you're going to are actually doing in terms of trackers, whether they're reporting back to Facebook when you go to them, even though they're not Facebook, whether they're planting what kind of cookies they're planting on your your computer for advertising and tracking. Um, there's a really cool website that we just learned about um, from the Washington Post, in fact, uh, that lets you do those things. Oh, that's great. And you also mentioned something about Section 320, which I guess we'll be talking about tonight. Section 230. 230. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I'm way yes. ahead. I'm way ahead. Of and you. that is actually kind of part and parcel of the discussion of the FCC. You, uh, the, the, the current, the outgoing president uh, has been complaining a great deal about what um, he and other conservative, um, particularly conservative, social media users have been complaining about um, alleged censorship of their posts and their content on sites like Twitter and Facebook. And there is a movement afoot to get a one little sentence in Section 230, which is a big, complicated law that could potentially allow for a great deal more regulation of whether the likes of Facebook and Twitter and, for example, or for that matter, KZYX.org. Uh, what can, what they can post and whether they can elect to not post something if it's clearly untrue. You mean when somebody lies? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> and demands equivalence. Exactly. Yeah. So we're going to talk about all that and more and also open up the phones and take questions. But we want to start out with a guest because we have a guest here waiting in the, in the, in the Zoom waiting room. In the virtual green room. We want to talk about, we've, we've talked on previous shows about Apple's new uh, uh, PowerBook, um, PowerBook, MacBook Air, and MacBook Pro lines based on the new Apple Silicon chip called M1. 
and the initial reviews of those machines were really positive. Amazing fast performance, ridiculous like 20 hour battery life. And, and that's even with software just not even fully optimized for it yet. Well, a member of our, in fact, the person who runs the point and click research desk, otherwise known as Toby Molina, otherwise known as my spectacular bride, has purchased a MacBook Pro M1, the 13-inch model, and um, she is joining us tonight via Zoom using that very computer because the computer is supposed to have a much better microphone. So we're going to... We're about to find out. We're going to talk about her new her experiences, the good, the not so good, and we're going to get to hear what that microphone sounds like. Toby, welcome to Point and Click Radio. Good evening, gentlemen. That sounds pretty good. That sounds good so far, yeah. <laughs> From where I'm sitting. So the, the new MacBook Pro, the 13-inch, looks kind of exactly like the old MacBook Pro 13-inch. It doesn't look any different at all. That doesn't have M1 printed on anywhere on it. Uh, you can't really tell that it's a new computer using the new chip unless you boot it up, and at least then you see the new Big Sur operating system or if you pride the if you pride the motherboard out it might say m1 on the little well yeah yeah we definitely give it away if you not there yet no broke it apart um but of course you don't have to have the m1 the silicone chip in order to be running big sur no that's right that's right it is it runs on a lot of current and even not so current macs although most people are saying uh, reputable organizations like tidbits.com are saying, hold off for a while because there seem to be some compatibility or potential upgrade glitches with Big Sur on older Macs. But the yeah. M1 new machines, yes, uh, you're right. You don't have a choice. You've got to be running Big Sur. But with the older machines, it is a um, upgrade if you want to kind of proposition. And even though you may want to, you might not want me to or might not ought to right away. It's not a bad idea to wait for it to stabilize a little bit and for some of the third-party apps to catch up. Yeah. Well, especially if you're going to an M1, which is quite a big leap in uh, technology under the hood. It's running on a completely different processor than the Intel processor that they've, they've been running on for the last 14 or so years. And I can tell the difference. So, yeah, well, tell us how. Well, how, how can you tell the difference? Uh, it wakes from sleep almost instantly. It restarts very quickly. It just, you can feel the snappiness in, in the operating system. Now, of course, it's a new machine, so it hasn't gotten bogged down with 140,000 different third party, um, uh, apps that are trying to start up, et cetera. But it is really, really speedy. You can really tell. Yeah. And, and you're running some software that has not yet been updated for, the M1 architecture, like Microsoft Office. How are you finding apps like that to, to perform going through that Rosetta translation layer? Creative Cloud isn't yet uh, native um, to Big to either, but it is ready. It is native to Big Sur, but not to the the M1 chip. And you'll get a notification that says, "Hello, we're not quite there yet, but you can run the older version for now." And I'm not finding any difference. Really. Between so it's no. running uh, like Photoshop under under uh, emulation on the M1? Mm-hmm. Wow. InDesign, all those. Yeah. And Same I'm not a... finding any difference. I'm not finding. I haven't, you know, I haven't used it for any big uh, files or any um, 
any functions that would really bog it down. But so far, I'm, I can't tell difference. In other words, I haven't thought about it. I've been just yes. going about my business, and it hasn't seemed any different to me. Wow. That's about, about the best thing you can say for an upgrade is you haven't even had to think about it. Uh, there um, are certain well, third-party uh, applications that are not working. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's t- talk about that. What's, what was the one the- that you, you mentioned? It's uh, the cloud uh, the cloud integrator or whatever it is, the open source. What's that called? Cyberbox? Boxcryptor. Boxcryptor. Tell Box us about Boxcryptor is, uh, is, a, is a file encryption uh, software. That works that along with bro- Dropbox, right? No. It, it, oh, can, it, well, it does. Can work. It, it integrates with Dropbox. In other words, I now have my Dropbox, certain Dropbox folders behind the encryption wall of Boxcryptor. But it, you can use it with a variety of, of uh, uh, any way that you're storing files, you can put it behind Boxcryptor. So it would work uh, with iCloud too? You know, I haven't tried, but I don't know. Apple's so funny about letting anybody get their mm-hmm. tentacles into their... Uh, yeah, stay out of their sandbox. Yeah, I, I, don't, exactly. uh, I don't imagine it does, but I, but I could be entirely wrong. Uh, but Boxcryptor at this point um, is not working properly. Uh, basically, they're using all of their customers who have the new M1 uh, computers... Um, as beta testers, involuntary beta testers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I find myself in their notes daily looking for the latest beta. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is, of course, you know, it's one thing when you're, when a game isn't working or something like that, but Boxcryptor for me is, um, is vital. I can't get to certain files unless I can get through Boxcryptor. Well, I was going to no say, has, has it bricked your files? It has not bricked my files because Jim has access to them oh. and my other computers have access to it. But at this point, if I were out of town and I also it's I'm able to access them through my phone because it's working on my phone as well. But what uh, if, if I happen to be out of town and I needed to get access to them, I couldn't right now. Not with your new uh, M1. It's like not being button. able to get into your. It's like not in, not being able to get into your safety deposit box. Yeah. Right? And that's something that we have talked about before when we've done shows about privacy, that um, these cloud storage services like Google Drive or Box uh, or uh, Dropbox um, are a great way to keep essential documents up in the cloud, safely backed up in case of a disaster or theft or who knows what. Um, and to add that extra measure of security for those really sensitive files you might be putting on the cloud, programs like Boxcryptor are a great way to work together with that cloud drive service. But <laughs> not if you have a new M1 MacBook Pro or MacBook Air because she does not work yet. Yeah. So that's, and, and that's, you know, she has plan B, which is, to use Otherwise, your computer, yes, come she over. Has plan, she has Plan Jim, <laughs> and his computer, which has access. She has her phone, which has access to it. Right. So that's kind of a good lesson when you're making such a big kind of architectural leap to a new platform. Make sure that there's some kind of a Plan B, there's some other way that if there's if there's a piece of software that you are just utterly reliant on, first of all. You know, you'd want to do a little bit of research. If you used Photoshop day in and day out, you'd want to do some web searches to make sure that Photoshop ran well on the M1 uh, machines. Oh, yeah. 
But if but for one of those little utilities that is kind of, you know, not a big mainstream Adobe app, but a really core part of your computing routine, um, either do the research in advance and or have some kind of a plan B to be able to continue working or accessing files or whatever the utility does. Oh, yeah. Well, I imagine this is also, especially now since there's so many working from home situations, if people are sharing files over the cloud and they're using an encryption, this would also be, I mean, it's, it's you can always dump everything you have like on a one terabyte external, you know, backup drive and have it right there in, in your, on your desk uh, temporarily. But if people are exchanging work uh, and you know doing collaboration using cloud-based uh, storage, then it, you know it's it's a deal breaker if if you're using yeah. uh, the uh, Boxcryptor and you're thinking about getting a brand new Apple M Apple Silicon-based M1. Yeah, exactly. Toby, how else how else is it using it? Is it just pretty much uh, like a brand new Mac? It's you know. The thing that to me is the biggest uh, change, and it's not really M1, it's not the silicon chip related, it's the keyboard. Because I had one of the butterfly keyboards on my previous uh, laptop, and it was the worst. Oh, yeah. Um, and this has a nice, um, speedy, um, really easy touch keyboard, really works nicely. Um, I think that um, there are issues the fact that it's easy, it's quick to wake up, it's quick to restart, it's quick to launch a piece of software, it's all, you can feel it. You know, if you're somebody who's working, if you're on your machine a lot, you can really tell the difference. You can mm -hmm. you can feel the time adding up. Sure. Um, but uh, th that's, I have to say, the thing that I notice more than anything is the speed. It's really just a, a brisk. Um, there are also issues, though. Um, um, the, there are Bluetooth issues. There are AirPlay issues. Um, you know, if you, you get into onto Reddit or any of the forums, you're going to find a lot of people having the same problems. I'm, I'm having trouble AirPlaying. It's hard to know whether it's this, if it's the, if it's the silicone chip or it's Big Sur, or it's a combination. Um, uh, and the same with Bluetooth. I'm finding it hard to, uh, hang on to my airpods or my headphones or oh um, so like they drop interesting yeah interesting it's, yeah yeah so it's it's but again it's hard to know there's some functionality in big sur that makes it easier when you when you wake up your laptop that makes it if you have airpods and they're uh, attached to some other device it'll instantly pick them up uh -huh. It may just be that it's not quite ready for prime time and it's having problems unclear from my reading where the issues are because airplay and bluetooth are similar in their technologies and whether they are whether it's related to the new computer or related to the new os um and from my reading i can't no one has figured that out yet yeah. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> well we'll stay tuned on that one um I'm I'm really impressed how the new Apple Silicon uh, M1 chip is making waves, and this is just the entry level silicon. I mean, they haven't even come up with the the heavy hitters, the multi core, you know, professional Mac Pro, iMac Pro, those types of machines yet. They're those are probably in the pipeline, but this is just like the uh, 
you know, the entry level, uh, let's see, they released the MacBook Air, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and the Mac Mini, which have always, always been at the, uh, bottom of the, uh, Apple pricing structure for their, uh, for their, for their Macs. And now is a really serious contender for a nice, inexpensive home desktop machine. If you've got, if you have the keyboard, the mouse, and the display that you can add yeah. from your, you know, from your old Windows box, or just buy inexpensive ones, you know, on uh, out on the internet, um, the new Mac Mini is a really nice. Oh um, yeah. Option. Yeah, and in fact, it was just I just read something today that. Um, Amazon Web Services, which is Amazon's biggest moneymaker, I believe, and it's their cloud-based computing platform for just about everybody, including the United States government, I believe. Um, They're going to start uh, hosting Mac Minis uh, so that you can rent a Mac Mini from Amazon Web Services, and they're aiming it at smaller smaller, uh, Mac app developers, you know, to run their tests. And, uh, of course, there's been a lot of, uh, it's called co-location when you have a, uh, a machine that you own or a dedicated machine that you rent and it's stored in some data barn somewhere with big fat internet pipes and you can sit in your, you know, your mountaintop cabin in Montana and just, you know, run your empire virtually from there. So we'll see. That'll be really interesting. The other thing is that, um, somebody did a test and compared the M1 running the Windows 10 version for for um, uh, what's what's the chip? Uh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the chip. It's um, ARM, right? They have right. a version of Windows that runs on ARM, which runs on the the uh, Microsoft Surface Pro, I believe, and and the other types of. It's a version of Windows, and somebody was able to hack their way into a uh, a new MacBook, and the speed of Windows running on the new Apple M1 chip is about twice what the native uh, speed is on a Surface Pro. I mean, that's just amazing. That's crazy. I mean, I I can't believe what they're be, uh, being able to accomplish with that. Yeah, this you know this was there was an interesting article I think it was in the New York Times today or the other day about um, this move toward basically this move away from Intel chips. Intel for years, for decades, dominated the personal computer field on not only the Windows side but on the Mac side, and there is a gradual shift now away from Intel and toward um, these chips made by or based on technology from ARM, ARM, the British company, uh, like the M1 chip that Apple is one of the first. There will, there, Microsoft has one and the Surface Pro, as you mentioned, Bob, there will undoubtedly be more desktop and laptop machines that use these chips that are potentially a lot faster, potentially a lot more energy efficient. Yeah. And um, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me. Bottom line is that it wouldn't surprise me to see Windows go more native on that architecture, which would mean you'd be able to run Windows on the M1 Max without weird wonky hacking uh, kind of jobs. Right. Only it would just require Apple and Microsoft to come to some kind of a deal on, on being able to do that. Hey, uh, as long as Apple's selling the hardware, you know, they, they give away the operating system, so they don't care. Yeah. People buy 
computers with partially eaten apples printed on them they don't much care <laughs> right when uh, when apple when steve jobs switched from motorella processors to um well it was no it was motorella went to power pc that's right power pc was a ibm apple motorola consortium i think but when yeah. they switched to intel they came up with boot camp which lets you turn your intel based mac into a windows pc basically right. and so maybe they'll have a boot camp uh for the m1 and there are virtual uh, virtualization uh software programs like um like parallels that allow you to run windows in a window um kind of right. like eating a pig in a blanket in a blanket Yes. And it's only a matter of time, I think, until those virtualization tools are also updated for the M1s. I want to I want to ask Toby to do one more thing while we uh, before we let her go and and talk about some of the other news of the day and open up the phones here on Point Click Radio, the biweekly computer show. And that is to um, I want I want to hear another little test of that microphone. Now you are sitting, we we're looking at you in Zoom, and you're sitting at the typical normal arm's length position away from your computer, as you would if you were doing a video conference. Mm -hmm. Move closer to your screen and talk more as though you were talking into directly into a microphone, the way Bob and I um, uh, are doing. And I want to kind of hear how that sounds. You're getting an extreme close up of me. I like it. I I like it. But that, then yeah. I'm biased. By the way, I love the way you've redecorated your studio. Thank you. <laughs> uh, does that sound any different? Does that sound? Does it give you? Is it? It sound like a good rounded sound? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds. It sounds much more, better. Because more presence. Exactly. More presence. Less. A little less roomy echo. You know, room yeah. ambience. Um, and I would. You know, I mean, Apple's claim of like a studio quality microphone is a really tall claim for a mic, mic that's built into a laptop no kidding yeah i think you'd have to take it into a studio quality studio to get <laughs> to get the best <laughs> yes, exactly. best effect maybe a dance studio i don't know what kind of studio they're talking about but it definitely sounds better i mean i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be embarrassed to do it to quick a dirty you know news report or something yeah. like that talking more directly into the microphone as opposed to the usual video conference arm lens length i'm sure i'm sure people are working on their next albums recorded completely on the uh on, on their built-in uh, microphone on their built-in microphone yes. yeah yes have you all, all talked about uh, big sur at all not at all well only in on, from the standpoint of not on this show but on in the in the last show we talked about some of the hesitations about upgrading oh, that yeah. a lot of people have warned about. Um, we've talked about the fact that it's a little more iPhone-like. The lines are starting to blur as far as the interface between like the way things look. Um, but that's about it. So any, any other... It's any actually other interesting. Of, the M1 uh, uh, machines will be able to run some iPhone and iPad apps because yeah. of the commonality of the, uh, uh, of the chip. Yeah, and, that's really wacky. And I'm not holding my breath, but I wouldn't be surprised if Apple came up with a hybrid laptop tablet where the lid hinges around behind the keyboard and has a touch screen. Yeah. <laughs> because if they're gonna if you're gonna run your mobile apps on a laptop, how are you gonna how are you gonna touch the screen and and drag things around like you're used to on your mobile device? Yeah, right now there's a weird workaroundy kind of, you know, like hold down on press down on the trackpad to you know do the equivalent of swiping things around and it's not the kind of direct it's not the kind of direct you're reaching out and touching something and swiping it around um kind of functionality that you have on the iphones or the ipads 
And there's also a lot of apps that don't run, like Instagram. They've they a, a, a mobile app developer can actually specifically elect to not allow their app to run on the M1 machines. Um, Interesting. One yeah. of the things that that I've noted in Big Sur uh, uh, is that uh, Safari has gotten a nice refresh. Mm. It's definitely faster. Um, you can use Siri's translator. Um, if you come upon a site that's in a foreign language to you, and you can use it to uh, translate the page. It works really nicely. That's cool. Um, and also, if you click the shield to the left of the URL in the, in the browser bar, you'll see how many tracking scripts on that web page Safari prevented from tracking you, um, wow. which, which is a nice under the hood, something that you wouldn't even realize is happening, but um, is a nice privacy Feature. So it does prevent the tracking. Yeah. I I heard it was Jim. Wasn't there something we might have mentioned a show or two ago about Apple having something in Safari that pretty much just ruled out everything that shares or releases your personal data to third parties? And then there was so much uh, pushback from places like Facebook and Google that they sort of held off on implementing all the the features of it. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember about that. Uh, it was it was a maybe a month ago, but it, it seemed like they had really developed. Uh, you know, Apple's one of Apple's sales points uh, is to its customers, and it's protecting your privacy. Uh, in in the case of someone who buys Apple devices, you're actually the customer, and a lot of other technological companies, you're the uh, product, and your information is being sold to other customers, which are you know advertisers mostly and stuff like that. So. Uh, hopefully safari is going to lead the way i still use ghostery and it blocks a lot of things you know do you and there are a lot of great privacy oriented i love the brave uh the the free software yeah. uh, the free browser called brave which you can get at brave.com um that is based on the chromium engine so everything that works in chrome google chrome also works in brave but it has a lot of built-in ad blocking and anti-tracking features and as opposed to having to use an extension which makes it just a little bit faster because it eliminates that yeah. middleman that sits between the website and the browser rendering engine i've started using brave on windows uh and i'm quite yeah. quite impressed with the with it it's good yeah, it's, it's a really nice good browser and the microphone by the way toby with you sitting next to the position close to the closer to the screen definitely makes it sound a lot better i mean it really sounds it sounds good. Yeah. That's sounds amazing like, because that yeah. this is the first time you could ever say that. Typically, yeah, yeah, yeah. the built-in <laughs> mic is just oh, so poor. Yeah, the built-in mic, I know. Cool. Well, we will, needless to say, we'll be following your adventures with the um, with the M1 MacBook Pro as things settle down, as more apps go native to really take advantage of the speed, and we'll uh, we'll continue to uh, bring your experiences to. Uh, to our to our listeners have a have a lovely evening we will thanks, thanks for, for joining, joining us Toby. i'll see you in approximately 33 minutes as yep. long as traffic is in, isn't in the hallway yeah as long as traffic bad. isn't too bad right yeah <laughs> it's so it's so hard to get a cab at that time yeah right? and, and yeah hope <laughs> thanks you... for having me guys all right yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us yes bye bye-bye hit all those green <laughs> lights yeah yeah you hit the, all the lights and you can't get a cab yeah well, that was great to hear a first-hand report of the Mac M1. I mean, one of the things that impresses me is the fact that the 
they didn't change a single thing about the design. Ex- oh, yeah. except for the keyboard. The and keyboard is really nice. I can vouch for that. That butterfly the form factor, the 13 inch yeah. laptop form factor is really nice. It's it just is. really genuinely a laptop. Yeah. It's a featherweight and uh, yeah, it's a nice machine. Especially since instead of uh, increasing the size of the monitor, they shrunk, I think they shrunk the whole overall dimensions of the computer because they keep ma- making the bezel around the monitor narrower and narrower and to the point where it's uh, approaching non-existence. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that um, that butterfly keyboard, I think that was Johnny Ives' parting gift to Apple users because <laughs> he wanted the thinness to approach non-existence. <laughs> and uh, it actually yes. had a lot of problems with that keyboard, but I, I hope they've come up with an improvement. Uh, and, it, it, and it is definitely, I mean, as far as the feel and the touch goes, time will tell if, as far as its reliability goes, although the butterfly keyboard was breaking so quickly that just the fact that, you know, it's been out for upwards of a year now since the 16-inch MacBook Pros came out last year. Um, that now, this, it's a good sign that it's going to be more reliable. And, and, and there is, by the way, if, if anyone has a fairly recent MacBook Pro, or I think the MacBook Air also had it, and your keyboard is funky and acting up, there is a free fix. Apple will do right by you, and you probably have to go to an Apple store or something like that. But um, you can you can go to uh, um, well the search engine of your choice and do a butterfly keyboard uh, you know recall or butterfly keyboard fix, and you'll get to web pages that allow you to kind of specify exactly the model you have, and it'll tell you or not whether whether or not you have that cursed butterfly keyboard. Right. Um- Apple, it's it's interesting how this works around the world. I just read something today. Apple is being forced now that when they, when Apple came out with the iPhone 12, they announced that they were not including the charger or the cable or earphones, I believe, or maybe just the cable. I can't remember, but um, they definitely pared down what was included in the box. Yeah. And it turns out that in Brazil, Apple's being forced to sell the iPhones with the charger. Um and uh really yes um uh also uh it was reported in october the company had to keep shipping uh um the iphone with the ear pods in france due to local laws apparently you can't sell a uh you know a mobile phone without the the uh included earpiece and uh, something similar is happening in Brazil with the power adapter. Um, the Brazilian state of Sao Paulo decided that Apple is now required to sell the new iPhone with the power adapter. But it has to be included, yeah. And, and, and Apple's one of Apple's rationales for that. Um, well, obviously, internally, they probably saved, you know, 82 cents and not including that little brick in each box. Right. But also, they pointed out that a lot of people who buy iPhones already have an iPhone. A drawer full of... And a a drawer full of those little white bricks because they have maybe multiple iPads or iPods from back in the day. Right. All of which can be used to charge an iPhone. So um, their their rationale was, we're cluttering up the environment with these little white bricks that you may or may not need. And if you don't need one, then great. We just did our part to eliminate that 
the little bit of copper and plastic in the environment. And if you do need one, well, we'll be happy to sell you one. Well, and um, I think the smart thing to do would be to have a little checkbox when you're ordering your, your device from Apple. And the checkbox would say, uh, I opt out of getting the headphones, charger, and cable and donate the savings to Greenpeace or something like that, you know. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be the way to do it. Because, you know, what if you've never had an iPhone before? What if you're switching from from uh, Android to uh, iPhone and you want all the stuff that's supposed to come with an iPhone? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they probably, I think they put the savings into not raising the price of the phones too terribly much. And they're also saving a lot um, environmentally just because they, the boxes are smaller. They can cram more of them onto a 747 when they fly them over from China. You know? <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah. Hey, it's about 732 here in Mendocino County. You're tuned to Point and Click Radio over KZYX Philo and KZYZ Willits and Ukiah with Bob and Jim, uh, the Point and Click radio co-hosts talking about computers and we just had a live guest for the first time in a long time really it's true yeah. it's true hopefully not hope, hopefully not the last for a long time right um we should probably go out go ahead and give out the phone numbers if anyone wants to call in with a question or a comment uh it's 895-2448 that's the studio number here and everywhere because the phone's now uh through the miracle of the internet can ring anywhere and you all you have to do is call 707-895-2448 to be on the air with bob and jim and while we wait for our first call let's talk about internet privacy for a minute and this website that allows you to kind of examine how your favorite websites treat uh treat treat privacy yes uh, uh, article that appeared actually a couple of months ago in the washington post how bad has privacy become on the World Wide web Really bad, a new audit shows. At least 87% of the world's most popular websites engage in some form of digital tracking without you ever signing in, according to investigative journalism nonprofit The Markup. Many sites even covertly record the way you move your mouse or type. This is the hidden technology that lets companies learn who you are, what you like, and even the secrets you look at online so that they can tailor what you see, make ads that follow you around, or sell your information to others. The good news is you can run a privacy check on any site yourself using the free tool that they made for this audit. It's a tool called Blacklight, and to get to it, well, you can, I could give you the, the it's, the, the full URL is themarkup.org slash blacklight. But if you just go to the search engine of your choice and type blacklight, one word, privacy, blacklight space privacy, you'll get right to it. And there's a little box on the homepage that allows you to enter the address of a website, and it will then go and check that site and report back how many trackers, whether it's reporting to Facebook that you visited that site and a whole lot more. I did a couple of uh, quick spot checks of a bunch of websites. And as you would expect, there are a boatload of them that are planting cookies and trackers and all that sort of thing on your website. And just for laughs, I went to a website search engine that we talk about all the time, duckduckgo.com. Zero. Zero. No trackers, nothing. So... Oh. Amazing. And that was that was encouraging to see. Really, really, yeah. Hey, um, we've got a call coming in, so let's okay. see if we can bring up our first caller. Hi, you're on the air. 
Hi, caller, you're on the air. Yes, hi. Um, I was calling to have a question about the uh, Apple uh, and a conversion of uh, the video extension MOV to uh, JP, uh, JP4, I think it is, or no, MP4, if there's a way to do that. Are you using a Mac? I'm using an iPad Pro, and I have video there uh, from my game, and I want to do a highlight video on a PC, and I am having a hard time figuring out how to convert that video into uh, MP4. So you're doing a screen recording of the game in on your iPad Pro, right? Yes, I recorded the game on the iPad Pro, and I have a software on my PC to make uh, highlight videos. But uh, I cannot com transfer that MOV file to my PC; it won't read it for some reason. Boy, this sounds like this sounds like something I would have used Handbrake for, but I haven't done that in a really long time. But I think Handbrake is Mac only. So you have an iPad Pro, and you want to put it on a PC and do the conversion for the PC. Uh, yes. Have you been Have you been successful in just moving the file from the iPad to the PC? No, not at all. I've searched the internet for. There's several uh, program softwares that they say they can help, but I've tried them and it doesn't help at all. What about Jim? What about iMovie? Do you think if you open it in my iMovie, you might be able to export it as MP4? Possibly. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think there, there are a couple of issues at work here. One is just getting the file from the iPad over to the PC, just physically transferring the file. Whether you can actually open it or work with it on the PC is the second issue. But the first issue is actually just getting it over there. And what you might find to be a useful thing would be to use a cloud drive service um, like Dropbox or like Google Drive, um, you can sign up for either of those for free or Amazon uh, Drive. There are different tiers of them that have free and but not a whole lot of storage. And then if you need more storage, then you pay. Um, depending on how I, I'm guessing the, the file you want to move is, is not so huge that you wouldn't be able to um, use one of the free versions to be able to get it over there. So you just copy the file from your iPad up to whatever cloud drive you're using. Then on the PC, you'd sign on to that cloud service and then download it to the PC. And then you'd have it there. And then from there, I mean, a lot of PC software, Windows software can work with MOV files. Um, you shouldn't have to actually do a conversion. If you did, there are a lot of free websites that will do conversions between different formats. Um, and I'm just doing a to uh, convert MOV to MP4. Okay, I got one. It's uh, the VLC media player will do the conversions. That's the open source um, yeah. media player. And uh, yeah. if file is... I have that one on my, on my PC and it, it, it didn't work. <laughs> well, I wonder if you could try it on the, on the iPad. Um, the other I thing is... I don't think VLC is available for the iOS for iOS, is it? I don't know. 
I don't think it is. I think it's only a desktop, you know, a, a Mac or Windows. So, Nicole, you be. said it didn't it didn't work, but um, did that mean you weren't able to open the file? Or, or I, I, if I understood correctly, you weren't even able to successfully get the file over to the PC yet. I um, I wasn't, you know, when you are using the VLC, it asks you to move the the MOV file to the to the app and. When I tried to do that, it, it, it wasn't successful at all. It didn't show like being transferred there to begin the conversion. Yeah, I don't think that's help. I don't think that app is going to help you actually get the file physically from your iPad to your. Well, I, I wonder if it's small enough to email. Is it? Uh, do you know if it's small enough to just send it to yourself in an email and open it up on your PC? I think the thing with that is I, it would probably downsize it. It would probably make the I, pixels. Pixel dimension smaller. I could try. I, I, I could try, but it, it's a it's a volleyball game of, of each each uh, video is 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 one set and it's about twenty minutes each recording. Oh, so they're probably pretty uh, big, pretty yeah, big that's, files. Yeah, you wouldn't want to email something that big. Yeah, you know, I I can't help but think that you're still stuck at step one, and that is getting the recorded files from the iPad over to the PC. Um, if when you tried to do it, can you like look at them in Windows and the Explorer or something and see that yeah, that's a big file? I've actually successfully transferred that. Um, another possibility, um, I think you can actually hook up a US uh, USB flash drive, thumb drive to an iPad. You might be able to with an adapter. Mm -hmm. You might be able to oh, use okay. the use the adapter to get it. That would be. That was what what we used to call sneaker net back in the days of floppy yeah, right. disks. Do a sneaker net between the iPad and the uh, and the PC, or I haven't even thought about this, but I think if you have iTunes on a PC, which I believe they still make, you can plug the iPad directly into the PC, and it will will set up as a uh, device in iTunes and you you should be able to access uh, media files you know the assets that would be on the iPad you should be able to access those through iTunes for Windows it's worth a try I, I, I tried that it, it didn't work for some reason I, I did uh, I downloaded iTunes from my PC and followed all the steps and it, it wouldn't oh. just it, it wouldn't do it at all okay and you looked around in the uh, places where it would have the movie files and things like that they didn't show up yeah, no, I didn't. It will ha highlight the file, but the minute I ask to transfer it, it, it wouldn't just do it. It would just get stuck and not do it and call it an error. Yeah, I would say get yourself a free Dropbox account and yeah. and uh, do that because okay. you, you can, uh, in yes, you can install a Dropbox on the uh, iPad. It works very well because I use it all the time. And, uh, you could even just log, you don't have to put, you don't have to install the Dropbox app on your PC. You could just open it up, log into your Dropbox account in a web browser, and it gives you access to your files. I would give that a try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, good luck and call us back when something works. I want to hear how the, your, um, video, uh, of your gaming adventures works out. Yeah. Yeah. Keep us posted. Yeah. For That's sure. Interested. For sure. Thank you so much for the help. All right. All right thanks. Good luck. Thanks. Thank you for the call. Bye bye. 
Interesting call. There's a lot of tech, lot of little, lot of little technological. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces. <laughs> but you would think that you could just hold your iPad up in front of your PC and it would automatically know what to do. What, Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. What's going on here? <laughs> Siri, move my movie file over. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So yeah, just to, just to button up the discussion of Blacklight, that privacy uh, privacy inspector. Right. It's very cool. Um, just do either either go directly to the the website, which is themarkup.org, themarkup.org/slash/blacklight, or just go if you don't want to remember that or you don't feel like groping for your pencil in the glove box as you're driving on Highway 128. Just go to the search engine of your choice and type blacklight one word space privacy and you'll get there and you will see now um just how alarming according to what i'm able to to make uh, out of this site is that it's it's um it lets you do fact finding on the websites but it's not an ad blocker or anything like that no it it lets you do research on the sites that you like to go to right Exactly. Yes, it is not a. Uh, it has no features that will protect your privacy or block trackers and all that. For that, you need programs like or add-ons like Ghostery, as Bob mentioned, or a browser like Brave, or the latest version of Safari with a lot of the privacy features turned on. Um, Blacklight is just. I like the name. It's just the way you know, like the you know, I can imagine the you know forensic detective shining a blacklight in a motel room to find the, you know, the, the, the blood stains that have been wiped away, but not completely. Blacklight is a way of shining that light on the websites that you go to to see those blood stains of trackers and cookies and other things that are reporting to Mark Zuckerberg and all that privacy invading stuff. So um, we know our listeners are interested in uh, Internet privacy issues as we are. And so um, we thought we would share with you the website blacklight to check out that's interesting now i wonder if websites are going to start uh, mounting a defense against blacklight you know to uh, oh here comes blacklight again well we know what to tell them uh, <laughs> yeah i think i want to start a uh, website called faceblock <laughs> oh i like that. <laughs> i like that faceblock i like that yes protect yourself but you know the whole issue of web privacy and internet privacy is actually a pretty good segue to our uh, to a quick news item that we wanted to mention, and that is the changing of the guard at the FCC. Oh yes, that is going to be taking place next month with the inauguration of a new president. Uh, the con- current commissioner of the FCC, Ajit Pai, has announced that he is uh, resigning. Coincidentally, pretty much on inauguration day. Yes. Um, and, uh, he has been at the head of the FCC for four years during a period that has been marked with some contentious fights over his pretty ambitious deregulatory agenda. The net neutrality rules, uh, the reversal of the Obama administration's declaration that the internet was a utility, uh, all of that happened under the a Republican-controlled FCC run by Ajit Pai, who was placed there by the outgoing president, the current outgoing president. Obama. No. <laughs> no, no. The current 
he was no no uh pi came onto the fcc not as the commissioner but as a member under obama obama nominate nominated him right yes 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 he was he was elevated to chairman under 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 president trump right and um the uh the transition team according to this article that i see in the washington post has not um commented on who might be nominated in his place it may mean that the fcc will be deadlocked at two democrats and two republicans um, until a fifth member the chairman is named but it points to the fact that we could see some interesting change in the online world in the wake of a um in, in the wake of a democratic presidential administration well, they've got a lot of catching up to do. There's a lot of cleanup, <laughs> yeah. especially with social media and all that stuff. That's just, that's turned into a, 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 a rotting sewer, in my opinion. <laughs> that's, a good, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. And if you hear people who are uh, academics or scholars or historians talk about what's going on with the social media and the the targeted ads and the uh, spreading of conspiracy theories and uh, the false equivalency uh, between truth and lies. It's in my opinion, and this is just my opinion as a, not as a KZYX or its members or board of directors or sponsors or whatever, but uh, it, it, it needs a lot of work. And it's also the opinion of your radio partner. Yes. <laughs> well, good. That's why we're partners, partner. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. we've got about 11 minutes left on this edition of Point and Click Radio. So if you've got a question or a comment, give us a call at 895-2448, 895-2448. Operators are standing by. Yeah. Bob and Ukiah, Jim on the coast. And we are eager for questions, comments from uh, from our from our listeners, 895-2448. And uh, I have a app for iPhone that I want to um, highlight. This just came to my attention. It's called Halide Mark II Pro Camera. And you might have heard of this, Jim. I don't know if you even use it. It's not free, but you can have a free seven-day trial of the app. You can purchase it at an annual membership or buy the app outright in a single in-app purchase. And what's remarkable about this uh, camera app for the iPhone is that it lets you shoot in RAW. Oh, yeah. Which is which is really great. I mean, that's a professional-level feature. It's the only thing standing between the iPhone and the uh, the big luggable uh, SLR digital cameras that, you know, yeah. that have the really fancy uh uh, technology in them. Uh, it's got all kinds of features. Halide, H-A-L-I-D-E, Mark II, will be on the Apple App Store. And we've got a call coming in. Hi, caller, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, I wondered if you guys could help me with uh, the fact that I accidentally uh, formatted my two-terabyte drive that had contained all my photos. I went, I went online and uh, found this app, this uh, program called Recuva, that, but it's, it, it seems to only work with, you have to select individually each found file and say recover. Is, is there a way to just recover the whole thing? 
Um, this is an external drive that had all your photos on it? Uh, internal. Oh. Window, Windows or Mac? Windows. So you had no other backups of your photos except what was on the, the uh, computer's hard drive, and you formatted the whole hard drive and lost your photos? Yeah, I, I, I had my chip from my camera and went to format it, and accidentally, right next to it was a two-terabyte drive, and somehow I didn't click the right spot, and no, I didn't have any other backup you might want to give drive savers a call i think they're down in marin if they're still around i haven't uh i haven't checked in with them in a long time i would call them and talk to them you might have to pay some money to have it retrieved but they can they can just about retrieve anything um if Uh, if you would be great if they could get them all back with the dates and everything They, they used to all be by date you know, yeah, if you uh, start if you start poking around with um, do-it-yourself solutions where you haven't created a table of the contents, a lot of those uh, recovery software programs require you to install a program and have it set up your drive so it creates an index or something like that. And uh, without having done any of that in uh, in advance, it might be better to at least give drive savers a call. Uh, and talk to them because it would be worth spending the money if you they guarantee you can get your pictures back. There, and there are a couple of yeah. things. First of all, whatever you do, don't use that drive. Don't put one single file on it. Just pretend that that file... Yeah, I haven't. I haven't good. Yet. I've been wondering about that. There, there is a program that I've heard good things about. It's actually available for Mac or for Windows called Recoverit. And if you if you it's from a company called Wondershare, and if you go to um, uh, Wondershare.com or just go to the search engine of your choice and type Wondershare, that's all one word, then recover or recovery, then you'll uh, you'll, uh-huh. you'll you'll find it. Um, and you know it if you just really kind of talk yourself through each step, you're not going to damage anything that's on that drive um just make sure that you don't do anything that is anywhere remotely close to using that drive storing anything on that drive well especially since it's been formatted the first thing if it's a formatted drive the first thing it's going to do is start writing over the old sectors yeah exactly and chances are everything is there but it's table of contents basically unless you do a what's called a low level format when you format a hard drive it's really kind of more like just tearing out the table of contents in the front of a book yeah all the pages are still there that table of contents is just gone exactly and then as you add new files then a new table of contents is created and bit by bit literally bit by bit those old files are are overwritten yeah Um, so, yeah. there are a lot of so, programs when like I went this. With that, with that Recuva uh, free program for recovery, uh, and, and they way have to click each individual. And somehow it said I had like a million items on there, and I know I didn't have a million. Pictures. Well, you've probably got close to a million. If it's a Windows PC, it probably has close to a million of those little tiny bits of file that tell 
tell the program what to do. I mean, the the operating right. system yeah. is like a big bucket full of little files that take care of all right. of the operations of the computer. Um, what model? So I started. What? I started a a new file, a new uh, 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 file on on a different drive to recover them to. But yeah. it would be preferable to just kind of bring like bring the table of contents back yeah now was this was this your boot up was this your boot up drive that got reformatted mm, i think not i think the the the, uh, the main drive is the, the boot up drive is a smaller original hard drive that came with the computer okay and so it's got a, it has a second like it's got a c drive and a d drive in the machine now right Oh well, that gives you a lot more potential to work with. If the D drive had the right, photos, I could, I could conceivably pull it out and take it somewhere. Well, yeah, that's why I think uh, you should do a little research about drive recovery uh, services because this could, you know, you might want to um, make an attempt to to uh, recover the files if you could have something that would recreate the directory. But like Jim said, right. you, you don't want to do anything that's going to add new bits to the D drive because that would start. Right, because it'll be writing over. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, good yeah. luck. Good, right. well, well, good luck like with good, that. Good advice. All, Thanks a lot, you guys. All is not lost. And if you and if you ultimately, if you get scared of using a utility like that, um, Bob's advice to call uh, Drive Savers. They're down in uh, Novato. Um, uh, they yeah. they're they're not always they're not they're not always cheap, but they can do things like recover files from literally from uh, laptops oh, wow. that have been and and plane crashes and things like that. Plane crashes, uh, underwater fires, floods. Yeah. Oh. and in this case, it's a fairly simple oh, job for them. Great. It might not even be that uh, that that inexpensive. But you can go uh, just uh, yeah, yeah go to the search engine of your source and, and search for uh, drive savers, and they'll uh, they'll get the they'll get you'll get the info. Great. Thanks for calling. Great. Good luck. Let us know. Thanks Keep us lot. posted. Why? All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. You too. The notion of losing photos makes me oh, cry. Oh, cringe. Yes. Back up your backups and then... And back up your backups. That's the other big lesson. Yeah. Yes. Third order backing up. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, put a... Put a um, external usb drive uh you know one terabyte or two terabyte hard drive in your safety deposit box uh put one uh you know at, at a relative's house using a using some sort of cloud backup service too that keeps things up on the cloud and updated all the time yeah um there's there we should it's time to do another show about backing up because it's the single most important yeah the single most traumatic thing that can happen to you oh i know a computer unless you get shocked and <laughs> and there's there's so many options you can get you can get those little thumb flash drives for for i don't know maybe they're 40 or 50 bucks that are 256 uh gigabytes you know that's yeah. that was bigger than the size of anybody's hard drive you know like 10 years ago maybe yeah exactly that's our story and we're sticking to it yep oops wrong cd that's a new that's a new no closing that's the wrong cd sorry <laughs> hey it's all good it's all it good it sounds like 
that that incorrect music on the wall is is telling us that we are reaching the end of another edition of Point and Click Radio. Right. Radiogram is up next with Jamie Roberts. Stick around for that, followed by, uh, or immediately following, Pulse of the Planet. Right. And, um, we will be back with more of this madness in, uh, in two weeks. Yes, in two weeks. Point and Click. I think I have it now. Should I make some thunder sound effects into the microphone? Yeah, just 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 so I know <laughs> it's the right it's the right show at the right time. <laughs>